Hello, Mixed Net Cases. This is Nuke Chess, and I've got a nice, calm episode of Nutty Bites for you today as a nice little get back into things for September. Ah, no way. It's not going to be calm. You can't be calm when you're talking about killer pinatas. Hi, I'm Jason, and this is the Talk Dirty to Me podcast, Invasion. Like that 90s wrestling thing, you know, the NWO? It's too sweet in here, because we're talking about the bride of killer pinata. Yes, that's right, if you remember my first one. We've got the man, the myth, the legend, back again to talk about gross things, Mr. Stephen Tramontana. Bye, everybody. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What are you talking about, Jason? This isn't Halloween Horror Fest. It's not even October. Also, Talk Nerdy to Me is not on the air right now. What's going on? Listen, it's always spooky season when pinatas are murdering for revenge. Okay, that's fair. Hey, Tech, what do you say? You say we should let this happen? <sighs> Can I swear at least? Well, I mean, it's not Nutty Bites, right? Well, that and he ripped off my intro and... <laughs> I was going I was going to talk about Japanese flower arranging for an hour. I wanted to have a nice relaxing episode and well, fuck it, let's do it. All right. So the F bomb has been dropped. This is not the Nutty Bites podcast. This is a special Halloween Horror Fest episode on the wrong feed in September. We're talking about <laughs> Ride of the Killer Piñata and we've got Stephen Tramontano with us. Welcome Stephen. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having having me on. This is awesome. Glad hey, to be look, here. Hey, look, we'll get it. Look, we're going to get it out there. So in time for uh, the 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 film circuit, because I, Nutty, as, you, as we talked about before the podcast, I was listening to the previous interview I did, and I'm sure the what the Atlanta um, the Atlanta Film Festival and the Windy City Horrorama probably are coming up in what, October. Well, actually, so here's a funny thing about this one. I don't know that we're we're in the middle right now because we've had this is the first time in my life this has happened straight up that film festivals have reached out to us about wanting to host uh, Bride. And so we're we were hell bent on like, no, we're going to release it. You know, our we're not doing film festivals. We just want to get it out to people and have it. Um, so now it's conversation. Now we're trying to figure out what we want to, what we want to do with it. Maybe we'll do a couple of fests and then we'll release it. So we're, we're in, we're literally in discussions this week trying to figure out how we're going to do this. That's so exciting. stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah. yeah, stay yeah. Tuned. Now, hey. before we get too deep into it, one, where can they stay tuned? So uh, the best place, if you're on the socials, is our Instagram account. Uh, Jen Kunkel, our producer, runs it. She does a great job kind of putting everything together. And, um, you know, we we have it, you know, hooked up to Facebook and Twitter, but basically Instagram, uh, Angry Mule Films is uh, where people can find it. And we update constantly. And we'll keep people, you know, prized of what's going on. Excellent. Now, the second thing I'm going to say before we get too deep is, for anybody that missed the original episode and is saying, what is this killer pinata thing? And you missed the Nutty Bites episode of Dinner in a Movie where I talked about it. I think it was last year. <clears throat> As we know, Jason has terrible taste in movies. And they're not always good. <laughs> but I, Tech and I also have a special place in our heart for bad movies that are really good. And Killer Pinata is one of those movies. And it is one of those movies that is so not PG. It can we can't actually do a real podcast about it on Nutty Bites because it is explicit. But you're watching it and you're sitting here going, 
what am I watching? That, and you can't stop because it's that good. That woman has a hook for a hand. <laughs> listen, listen. The shopkeeper, please tell me the shopkeeper's <laughs> back because that is the whole like lifeblood of that original movie. Yes. So she is back. Uh, the the actress is Joette Waters, and we love Joette. The the famous story about the first one is that the the, the shopkeeper, the character she plays in Killer Pinata, was written for a man. We were basically trying to do a parody of the the Van Helsing, the Doctor Loomis, um, and so we were casting only like these really large, like six foot three house of guys. And Joette reached out to us and said, "Hey, I, I think I have a take on this character. I don't think it has to be male. Let me come in and audition." And we were like, that's it. She's that's cool. yours, man. Like she fought for it. She got it. So, and she's been in every one of my movies since. I I mean, Joette is Chicago acting like world. Every filmmaker here has worked with Joette. My favorite thing on sets is that at a certain point, you'll look over (laughs) and it'll be Joette holding court with all the actors, regaling them of her time, you know, and and like she had a band in the seventies. Joette, Joette's man. She's awesome. (laughs) That's right. Um, Amazing. No, that's right. Because she was in um, very tight places. Um, She was, if I'm not mistaken, she was the the lady that he was, he got into the kind of the argument with at the beginning. Yeah. So we did a, so we did a dollar baby of Stephen King's A Very Tight Place about a guy who gets trapped in a porta potty. And um, we did a bit of a, those who have read the short story know that it's, you know, one guy forcing another guy by gunpoint into a porta potty in a very hot Florida day and he traps in the porta potty and the guy might die. So, AKA uh, everyone's worst nightmare. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it is tough. And I wanted to find something for Joette and we gender swapped one of the characters um, to give her room to play something that was, because the shot, you know, killer pinata movies are very big, broad movies. They're silly and dumb by design. And so it was fun to work with Joette and be like, no, 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 we're not going to go like super big on this. We're going to play evil, but not like over the top evil. So it was really fun to work with her on that. She's great. It sounds like uh, gender swapping characters and roles are kind of her thing. <laughs> it's true. In this case, I, 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 I did the one, <laughs> I did the gender swap and I was like, I don't know how Stephen King's going to feel about this, but you know, <laughs> You know, from what well, you, I've heard from Uncle Stevie, I think he'd be fine. You won't believe this, but I've got him online too. No, I'm no. <laughs> so, so before we, again, before we go too, too deep for our regular listeners, tech, give us a 60 second textile ooh. summary of Killer Pinata. Oh, I can do it in less than 60 seconds, but <laughs> imagine the most horrible day in the world of watching your beautiful girlfriend get murdered brutally and violently in front of your very eyes would that make you angry would you want to go kill everyone who hurt your darling now imagine you're a pinata and it's a child's birthday party and through some of the most brilliantly amazingly hilarious low budget puppetry i have ever seen which just involves rotating the eye stickers to give him different emotions you now have a pinata as a horror movie villain candy manning his way around murdering people in oh my god i, I it, it this is the this is the stupidest movie i've seen since velocipaster and that was and we talked at length about that one and this one was just as silly and just as much fun um 
And now we're getting a sequel because I, I guess there's more stories to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I want this to be like Chucky, you know, like Killer Pinata is is as iconic as Candyman, Chucky, any of the others. Uh to the point that when Tech and I went to get a pinata for a birthday party, we were haunted because there was the exact rainbow pinata staring back at us. We, we uh, could not, we could not, um, use that pinata for the birthday party and we, we, we bought it, but it is hidden. It does not know what happened to the other pinata. <laughs> wait, wait. So, you, okay. So I already mentioned earlier before we were recording that killer pinata should go to space. Now we need the inverse. It needs to be a taken version of killer pinata <laughs> where he has to save other pinatas who have been abducted to the great white north. <laughs> I, have, bad, bad I, I, I like it i like it we volunteer our backyard <laughs> <laughs> great so, so before so to get into things i'm i'm just going to jump right in because one of the things that made me super excited that carried over through all of your films is one the special effects the puppetry for the the titular pinata is excellent and it's simple but it's so good and also one of the most iconic scenes in Killer Pinata is the sex scene. <laughs> it is. <laughs> We're going to jump right in. It is. It is so fun. And if you, if, for all you guys listening, go watch the movie. The sex scene is excellent because it is gross and it's so fun. But the thing is, you will be haunted for the rest of your days. You will be. And, What's even what's but but again it transferred over to like in in very tight places. We talked in the interview about how the your special effects person she um, made hypoallergenic fake poo in the in the in the porta potty. So what kind of insanity do you have in the special effects department for this one? (laughs) Uh, Are we wait? Are we talking about Bride? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Bride, you know. We wanted to up the game. We were actually really lucky that Dark Alley Special Effects, who did our, who did the infamous uh, castration scene in the first movie, Alex and, and his crew came back and and we knew that we had to deliver the the number because we read all this stuff, right? We read the social reactions to Killer Pinata and, and we agree with some of it, you know. And uh, one of their remarks was that it just takes too long to to kind of get into everything that a lot, a big complaint of the first movie is that it takes, you know, 20 minutes or half hour, or whatever, to really get into things. Sure. And so we designed this movie. We were like, no, we're going out with a barn burner fucking sequence in the first act of this film. And that was our challenge. We were like, we're going to take that castration scene and make it look like child's play, man, not the movie. The term uh, that we all know, <laughs> but but we we set out to do some crazy shit, and it took us two days to film. And we were just like, nope, we're we're gonna, and it lands. We actually just looked at the assembly uh, last week, and that moment lands at twenty two minutes into this film, and uh, we'll be all buckled up for that. Oh, that's awesome. so exciting! I, I love I love um, how how you you think about all right, this is what we did in the first one. And people said it took too long. So we're going to jump right in. And it kind of reminds me of way back when, when I was watching all the evil dead and the army of darkness movies, how each consecutive movie, they got into it faster and faster. So that's yeah. uh, army of darkness was really helpful in a way. Uh, so we tried to design this one bride uh, so that if you never saw the first killer pinata, we could get you up to speed. Yes. And 
And we thought, well, a montage is good. And so our final girl from the first one, Lindsay, uh, Eliza, she's our, she's back for this one. And now she's in a very different place in her life. She's in a midlife crisis. She's got a family <laughs> and the house in the suburbs. And it, and, it, and it worked because what we could do is start with a montage, but it's also her reflecting on her life. She had these young adventures where she kicked the killer pinata's ass over and over and over again. And then like one day he just didn't get up and then her life became boring. And now she like hates her suburban domestic, <laughs> you know? <laughs> hey. Um, so it allowed us to one, have a nice character moment and two, to get anyone who just came into the theater cold to be like, you don't, you don't have to watch the first one to know what's going on in this one. We're in the first five minutes, we're going to get you guys set so that you know everything that comes after this. So I love it. So, <clears throat> so I got a question. Um, I'm really curious as to how does one purposely make a bad movie because you know i do have i do have some artistic bones in my body and i can understand i understand some i don't understand filmmaking very much and it seems to be like a tightrope walk where on one side you can make wonderful satirical parody and on the other side you're ed wood and you're making plan nine from outer space so how do you how do you tread that line oof or 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 do you know (laughs) yeah yeah. i mean i I don't think anyone truly knows i think what you can do is it is it's it's realizing your budget right so in the first killer pinata we shot the first killer pinata the full film for like two thousand dollars wow that was was eight days of filming and a couple of days of pickups for the puppet but we made that movie for two grand and we just knew inherently, like, we could be stupid about this and try to make a movie. Uh, or you can just lean into it and be like, what we're going to do is kind of a, a version of like, uh, it's almost like theater in a way, right? Like, you can take a play and say, well, we're going to do it as theater in the round, or we're going to do it very sparse, or we're going to do whatever. And that's kind of what we do with Killer Pinata. We said, listen, we don't have time to set up lights. I know that's insane. <laughs> we don't have time to actually do because to me, I'm like, I'd rather lean into it. I'd rather just turn lights on in the house and shoot it almost documentary style or what you would see, what you and your friends would do in high school and get that cool, very organic and authentic vibe of a bad movie. Mm-hmm. than like have these really bad lighting setups because you didn't have time to do it right, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think the first thing is to say, here are our limits and let's lean into those limits. There was no world where we were going to have a believable CGI pinata. So it was like, okay, then let's start building puppets and let's make sure the puppets are easy and cool. So step one is just lean into your budget. Uh, You can't flaunt what you don't have. And then step two is just do it. You know, like filmmaking is so easy now that like when we shot a very tight place, we shot it on iPhones just because we were curious. We didn't know what an iPhone movie would look like. And we did our tests and we tried our lenses and it was awesome. And I'm like, I just think with how cheap movies are to make now, like, just do it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that leans into a question I had. How different is the budget for Bride? Bride is 17000 uh, Major increase. Major, major. 800%. Yes. Uh, well, what's funny. So our, my goal, at least and the goal, I think for Paul and Ryan and Jen and I is that we wanted it to be similar enough that it didn't seem like a crazy different movie Like you know, it had the bones of a killer pinata movie, but we wanted to invert everything where people coming in who thought they knew what this movie was going to be about. We were inverting story decisions. We were in like, we have lights now. We actually have lit shots. It's amazing. It's a marvel to see a killer. <laughs> <lit directly. laughs> um, and to have the time. So the first one we shot in a week, 
this one, it took us nine months off and on of filming. Um, we've been in production since last August. So we're over, over a year now. So it was, it was a different experience. A hundred percent. So with one of the, one of my favorite parts about Kimmel and Pinata is, is there's an animated scene. Mm-hmm. And it, for me, it throws back to things like, uh, uh, Christmas Vacation, how they used to, how they have these, those animated intros to movies. Except this time you got a lot of exposition and backstory for the pinata through this short little animated sequence. Are we going to get something like that in The Bride? I was about to say, did someone leak something to you? <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's what I'll say. Um, we don't have an animate, we do go into The Bride's uh, sequence and it's, really cool it's very stylized it's not uh it's not animated um but it's it's we we because it ties in so one so uh okay let me go back and answer the first part of the question we do have an animated opening title sequence that was very inspired by movies of yore so we looked at stuff like honey i shrunk the kids and catch me if you can and you know uh oh man what's the one uh the petty anyway there was these really cool animated sequences that were very involved. And we, and we got the opportunity to work with a group that's, that's really smart about this stuff, the banditry. And they came up with this title sequence. That's next level insane. And that is so good animated. Um, but yeah, so we decided that we needed to go back into the, into the bride's uh, backstory because basically this is kind of her movie. You know, I feel like with bride movies, uh, and I like a lot of them. Um, the bride is never really a motivating factor in these things. They're always kind of, you know, even Bride of Frankenstein, she's on there for a hot second. Bride of Chucky probably comes the closest, you know, with Tiffany. Um, but I was like, no, I want our bride to be front and center. And I want her to be like moving stuff. Like, you know, her name is LP. She's loving pinata is her name in the movie. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, she drives everything that happens in that film uh towards the back end i love this that 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 is fantastic because the little bit that i've read about it about about the plot so far is that lp is um is that main character and is being mentored and it's not about um being an accent or an accessory to the og pinata it it is more about her story so you know, can, can, can we say that this, she could be a feminist icon, maybe? <laughs> I mean, breaking I'm, the glass ceiling of the bride <laughs> horror trope. The goal, the goal should be to get Sigourney Weaver and Jamie Lee Curtis in a picture with LP. <laughs> that should be the goal. I mean, she is very adorable. And Karina Wolf, who's a, a, a good friend of mine for many years, a very talented actress. She was our lead in Eyelash. And she plays both. So she plays the human form of LP in the flashback. And then we realized in the movie that we, <laughs> we were trying to figure out how to get the pinatas to communicate because they have dialogue scenes. The, the pinatas have like full on like discussions. Oh. And so we thought, you know, I'm very uh, against the idea of having them actually talk. I just think that that sets them aside from uh, the Chuckies and the and anything the, else in the they're, world. They're pinatas. Yeah. They're pinatas. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and, but it was a debate because, like, in the first one, you can kind of just have a little pinata being like, ah, you know, and, mm-hmm. and a little gremlin. But when you when you have dialogue, it becomes very tricky because you're like, okay, well, how do they talk? <laughs> you right. know? And so uh, Karina and I spent a couple of days doing her recording and we experimented a bit and um, she found a way to, to give LP this really beautiful kind of language set. Uh, so when she talks, I mean, it's a, it's a really cool creation and Karina is a big part of that. So 
That's so cool. That's awesome. I can't wait. How many cardboard pinatas did you go through? Well, we built a bunch on this one. So in the first movie, you had you had two speeds, right? You had the you had the stock pinata that you just kind of threw at the wall, and then you had one that kind of had some like head movement. Right, right, right. In this one, we built for each each character for KP and LP, we built five to six different puppets according okay. to what we needed. So one has full head movement. Another one actually has actually full body movement. It has legs. It can jump. It has arms, you know, stunts. I mean, it was insane. Um, to manufacture them, <laughs> was, you know, this shows you again, your bigger budget that like for, for like a third of like what we had in the first one, we spent on just pinatas and like building puppets and like getting them fixed and stuff. How many party stores did you have to go to force all of these pinatas? Because they, they couldn't have all had them all in one. <laughs> oh, no, that's when you, you batch order. So ah, there's, there you oh, okay. you got a there's a photo deal. on our Instagram, I think from last summer where all the KP stocks came in. And because you immediately just you you feel like one of those mad scientists, you immediately just start cutting them up and dissecting them and hot gluing them and repurposing them for what you need. But I think probably all in there was for KP at least it had to be north of twenty. Had to nice. be. North of 20. Oh wow, nice. Yeah. Like they're just fragile, man. You go through one blood day, that that puppet's trashed. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're designed to be destroyed. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, ju- I'm just imagining, I just had this image of some poor PA in a van driving around town to every party city with like the back full of these killer murderous pinatas that he's now collecting. Being chased around by, um, an umbrella looking, uh, shopkeeper. <laughs> <trying to> stop. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I love that you think we had PAs. <laughs> yeah, that was good. that was gonna be my next thing say it but for a two thousand dollar budget the pa is you <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah. yeah the the other thing the, the thing about um bride uh so excuse me for not being full in on, on all the details and maybe you can clarify this for me but i remember that for a, a while ago there was a kickstarter and then there was a global pandemic and then it, it looked to me like it was stuck in production production hell for a bit but um so what was the what was the road like and what's the what's the end of the tunnel looking like now like uh how how did, how did you finally break through Oh, that's a great question. So yeah, so we actually tried to do a different sequel. We I originally envisioned this as a trilogy and it was always going to be Killer Piñata and then part 2 was going to be like Aliens. It was going to be Killer Piñatas where we like rallied and <laughs> Set on a college campus, like Lindsay finding her first love. You know, we were we were figuring it out, and it was embarrassing. We tried this this Kickstarter. We we had everything ready to go. We cast the movie. The movie was written. I mean, we literally were so confident. Um, we were asking like for fifty grand, and I knew of some other filmmakers who didn't have a horror you know title that people knew that got the fifty grand pretty easily. So I thought we can we can do this. We can figure out at least if we get close enough, we can finish it off with other funds. Uh, so we went out with this Kickstarter and it like died pretty quick. I mean, I think we raised like $4,000. It was terrible. And, uh, it was really embarrassing and humbling. And I thought, well, that's probably it for killer pinata. And what we realized is that we were kind of just a little too soon. Um, we, through sales and through social media stuff, killer pinata basically found people about a year after that 2019 is when all of a sudden our sales went up really high. And yeah, uh, everything started to happen. And what's crazy is I got the germ of the idea for this movie like a week before we launched that Kickstarter. I was like, wow, what if we did a movie where it was a, lo- it was a monster love story? 
And it was a Halloween age 20 situation where the, the final girl is now at an opposite side of her life where she's very confident in her life and she's got a family. And now KP's finding love. And I was like, in terms of story, this is the best story we've come up with, with one of these titles. So, and that's what people come for is the story. Not killer. <laughs> it it's totally about the story. I, 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 I was curious about when was the uptick and you said 2019. Can I assume that 2020 and 2021 were pretty solid in, in sales comparison? Cause I feel like. I started hearing more about Killer Pinata and we watched it originally while we couldn't go anywhere else. Right. Yeah. People no. were discovering movies that they've never, they never would have had the time or would have experienced because they would go out to, you know, their local theater and that's not sharing Killer Pinata. But from <laughs> our homes, we're like rediscovering movies that we never saw, movies that we may have missed. And that, that's how Tech and I figured, found Killer Pinata. Look, get, getting getting movie recommendations from Jason is like throwing spaghetti at the wall. You have no idea what's going to stick or what's going to leave a stain that will mark your soul forever. Jason's taste is, well, let's be polite. Let's it call it a... Huh? Sounds amazing, this taste. It's eclectic. And listen, we, listen, listen, listen. I'm not trying to brag or flex. <laughs> But the original episode for the Horror Fest that had Killer Pinata on it came out in 2018. So we were ahead of the curve. That's true. Yeah, I listened to that episode and I'm like, oh, that's a really good episode. That sounds like a cool movie. And then I didn't watch it till 2020. So <laughs> we were, we were, you know, some, you know, sometimes they say you have to be, you know, it, to be fashionably late. No, 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 no. We want to be obtrusively early. <laughs> <laughs> ahead of your time. Well, exactly. In, like, four years when general audiences find bride, we can point them back here. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, there, you know? Go. there you go. There <laughs> you go. I think that it was. Uh, yeah, it's definitely the pandemic helped, and we spend no money advertising Killer Pinata. Um, and I think that word of mouth helped. We were on Am- Amazon UK. Uh, actually, put us in a top five, like top five horror movies you should watch, uh, or wow. low horror movies you should watch, and that did a lot. Um, and I, and you know, it's a nice thing. It's like this idea that we made Killer Pinata in 2015. It came out originally in 2016. And the idea that like it's still making good money and getting word of mouth all this time later, it has to be word of mouth. That's the only thing driving people to watch this movie. So it's a very nice thing. So as much as people like we see people, you know, in social media and stuff saying, oh, you know, that's good that these high school people made a movie. <laughs> You're like, well, it worked because clearly it's, it's still, it's still chugging along. So yeah. Absolutely. You know, and now we've got Brad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <That's> equal, <man. laughs> I honestly like, I think with the pandemic, things have gotten a lot better for horror. Like, cause throughout the pandemic, we've seen the rise of shutter becoming mm-hmm. not, not a massive streaming service, but people know about it now. I mean, it's even resurrected a show that no one would have thought came back with uh, Joe Bob Briggs. Um, they, they've resurrected that show and he's thriving on Shudder. So I feel like we would eventually we would have gotten a sequel or at least more horror from you. Do you think that now with streaming and the way, like you said, how easy it is to make movies that you could be doing more films like this, even take Killer Pinata from just the two films to more than that? So it's a really interesting question because it's also about the economics of making movies. I 
I was raised on a diet of B films, right? And it's remarkable how different the, the, and I'm friends with a lot of the people that made those, that made those movies, your, your Vestrons and your full moons and your, your Corman's and all that stuff. And hearing how their <laughs> ecosystem worked, you're just so envious because they could sell to a thousand video stores and make their budget back, you know, like that. If you're streaming, you know, your streaming revenue is about a penny an hour. Um, that's how much stream. So in certain regards, you have to make, um, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to make killer pinata movies for a budget because you know what you're, there's so much noise out there that you, you have to like plan for that. Um, I was actually thinking earlier today how I'm sad that we don't have the mini majors anymore. Like we don't have a new line cinema. Like I know new line cinema exists as part of Warner brothers now, but the Bob Shea new line cinema, you know, that, right. that kind of thing. That's pretty rare. Now you're either really big or you're really tiny like us. And, um, it, it makes it tough. So like what we, the conversation we had with this one is, and this one was tough. We had a crew of three for most, it was me and Paul and Ryan doing everything on the day to day. And Jen, you know, our quarterback, like get stuff through social and our, <laughs> but, but you know, sometimes we had some money, obviously for, for dark alley to come in and do their effects. We had some money to on big, big days to get some, a couple of PAs in, but for the most part, we were the band hauling our own equipment into the, into the show. Right. And, and that gets really tough. So what we kind of talked about was that, um, you know, for the next one, we are going to go for like a real budget, right? Like we, we can't do movies anymore for, for under 50,000. We have to go for like getting real investors and doing it. Cause you just need that support and need that kind of stuff to do it. I think it's really easy to make movies. I think that every filmmaker should try to do a feature, uh, with tiny money and, and see what they can do. Because as we saw from Robert Rodriguez, always a great idea, <laughs> you know, but like, but, but it's, it's, it's a weird, we're in a weird phase right now where, Getting the movie made is easy. Getting the movie profitable is difficult, you know? Right. And so that's the conversation is like, how do you, how do you, you know, cause we would love to do obviously another kill, like killer pinata movies are the funnest movies to make. Cause they're just lunacy. You're, they're just <laughs> lunacy. Um, but you know, you go, uh, if we're going to do it, like the jump, I think what people will be surprised about is the jump in quality from the first one to this one. And my view is, is that if we do another one, I want the same jump of quality. I want to do a sing, like a sing, singing and dancing sequence where we have full crane movement and all that stuff. You know? Marionetted <laughs> uh, pinatas. Yeah, yeah. Guys, I, if yeah. you... If you manage a Bollywood-esque level of pinata <laughs> dance sequence, <laughs> I'm done. I'm just... What do I need to watch a movie for? Okay. What else? What else so, do I need to watch a movie for? So let's put it let, let's put it this way: If there is a Bollywood dance sequence for Killer Pinata Three, Back to Mexico, or uh, I was thinking Back to Mexico or Daughter of Pinata, because we have to gender flip it, so it has to be Daughter of Pinata for number three. If there is a Bollywood dance sequence that ends it, I would like the pinata in the dance sequence to be a two-person pantomime pinata costume. <laughs> and and Jason and I will be the front and back half of the horse. Yes. We will tech will fly from Canada. I will I will fly or drive from Virginia and we will do no no you don't need to pay us. We listen, we'll sleep we'll sleep in the back of my my truck. 
It does not matter. I'm cheap. I work for beer, man. <laughs> hey, we have a lot of beer. I mean, hey! <laughs> it's not good beer. It's beer. It's, you know? it's, it's wet. It's got alcohol in it. I'm fine. It's, it's American, so you look like a rock star when you're drinking oh, yeah. it. <laughs> it's a white can with black lettering that says beer. All right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Right for beer. Not cheap. Uh, so, no, we... Well, so we, what's funny is that, like, so Eliza Jane Morris is a, an, an insane singer. Like, when you hear, like, we're, we always try to find a place to be like, can we get us, can't we, we've been flirting, and, and Jen, our producer, loves musical theater. And I was like, man, if we did a third one, I think we go full Little Shop, and we just do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Musical. But I'm like, you know, most horror musicals, and again, I love Little Shop. Little Shop with Rick Moranis, one of my favorite movies, Rocky Horror Picture Show, one of my favorite movies. Uh, I was like, but you never see like a a gore musical. <laughs> like, can we can we have Evil Dead? Can someone be singing where we just have fountains of blood going everywhere? But it looks like a a, a Bubsy Berkeley kind of song and dance. Like, I don't know. So that to me, I'm like, let's do that movie. That movie. What if cool. Jim Henson was just yeah. a bit what, more demented? What if Jim Henson directed <laughs> Saw? Yeah. <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're asking the right questions. Here's yeah, you, know, <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're laughing and joking and we're having a good time. And, you know, we asked, you know, how do you tread the line of making a good, bad movie? And I think this is where it's at, right? It's like, you're asking those questions. You're like, these guys, I loved watching their stuff growing up, you know, Jim Henson, the Muppets, you know, yeah. things of that nature. But what happens if like, um, uh, what if Gonzo cut off Kermit's head? Like, <laughs> no, he, you know, what would happen if that, you know what I'm saying? And I think with movies like um, the Sharknados, like you lose that curiosity, you lose that fun vibe. Like I know a lot of people like those movies, but even for my taste that tech maligns me for, those were never in my top of like good, bad movies. So when you guys do these pitch meetings, like when you guys sit down and, and, and talk with one another, like who's the one that comes up with ideas that you're like, wait, like, is it, is it Jen? Is she's the one? Is she the one? <laughs> so the nice thing about what we do is, so I'm kind of the lead writer. So Megan McManus, who's been a friend of mine for many years, who the, the hilarious thing about Megan McManus is that she doesn't like horror. She's a comedy writer. She's a, a really funny, awesome comedy writer. And we've been looking for years to work on something. So when this came up, I was like, hey, <laughs> I got someone's comedy forward. And and so so usually it starts with me being like, I have an idea. And I always start with a killer pinata movie being like, what what is Lindsay, our, our main person? What is she going through? And how does the killer pinata do it? Right. So the first one is about Lindsay coming out. It's about Lindsay understanding that, that, you know, she was queer. And this one, it's about Lindsay realizing, um, well, no, I'm not going to go in. It's about her going to someone else. And so uh, is the idea of what is she going through in her life and how does the killer pinata affect that? And then throughout our process, we're like very open. So we'll have the script. But even with the script, there's a lot of playfulness. So Natalie Younger, who is our co-lead in this movie, she does a lot of stuff with Second City. And she was amazing. She'd come on. And we had another actor, Eric Bays. Uh, many of our actors came to set and were like, hey, can we try this? Hey, I've got an idea. Can we do this? And it almost becomes like almost like shooting a real comedy where you're like, okay, we'll do a couple of takes of like what we have written. And then we're just going to do wild takes and you guys run with it. And some of our best stuff in this movie is from them just like playing around. 
And then as we go through it, so this one was interesting because we did production from September to the beginning of December. And then we stopped for three months and we edited everything that we had. We got a look at the movie and we said, all right, uh, now we're going to go back into a second phase from March until May and finish up all of our puppet shots and stuff. But we actually re-sculpted some stuff in the movie from the edit that we saw. We go, okay, we need to actually change some stuff. So we're very, you know, we're very open to like moving stuff and, and, and pausing stuff and everybody, like some of our greatest shots in this actually Ryan, our sound guy, uh, our mixer and our composer, like there's some amazing shots in this film that Ryan was like, what if we tried this? What if we actually did the shot like this? And you just go, yeah, all right, that's the best idea. Let, let's roll with it. So it's a really fun process of like, I basically set up the foundation and then you have all these awesome artists, these actors and these cool technicians come in and everybody just throws in and we get this thing figured out. It's really great. I love that the way you're describing it, everybody gets to um, be creative. Everybody gets to try things out and, and do their own thing. Um, when you were talking about the limited budget, I was thinking I'm a visual artist. So I was mm-hmm. thinking that's like painting with a limited palette, right? Mm-hmm. And you can really challenge yourself and get to the core. And another thing that I'm always mm-hmm. talking about is even when you are breaking the rules, you need to have that, that foundation in the rules. So for instance, a good plot, you've got a great comedy writer on the team. So you, you have those foundations and then everybody knows the rules so that they know when they're breaking them how it's going to work. And I, and I love that you've also taken into account probably because you have this 800% more budget, you're (laughs) able to go and do it in different stages and then review what you've done and make changes where a lot of, I think a lot of, um, very low budget films, you just don't have the time. You can't go back. You can't do your reshoots. You can't change things around. So it, it just sounds like such a, a much more creative process. And it's very exciting. I, I can't wait to see this movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it came out from, we made a short with Karina, actually. So Karina, who plays LP in our movie, uh, we made a short a couple of years ago. And it's called Eyelash. Uh, and it was our, like our, our most like big budget short that we did. And the tough part was, is that the, the, uh, the assembly didn't go well. We looked at the original edit and for whatever reason, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> like it just, it didn't come together. Filmmaking is hard. And it was tough because we wanted to do reshoots, but Karina's in California, she's full-time Los Angeles. And to try to bring her back and to get all that equipment, it, it was just, it was not going to happen. So I think it was a really informative experience because we wanted to make sure that no matter what we did going forward, we had the ability to to play with the material and go back and reshoot things and retry things. I feel so bad. Natalie and Eliza, there was a scene that I thought was important. It was, I, I was dying on this hill. I made them shoot the scene and then I didn't like it. So Megan and I rewrote the scene and I made them shoot the scene again in total. Do take on the scene. And we cut the scene all together. (laughs) We have two different versions, remarkably different versions of this scene that never made it into the movie. And I was like, well, you know. DVD extras, DVD extras. Yeah, exactly. So, so, okay. So that, Nutty, thank you for saying that. That brings it up. Because one of the things I've gotten into, because I love movies and I've watched tons and tons of movies. I've realized that I cannot collect every movie that I enjoy. So (laughs) you finally (laughs) figured that out. Did you, Jason? I figured it out and then started collecting criterions. Sue me. (laughs) Um, So will we be getting a DVD release or a Blu-ray release of these films? And is it possible if there is, will we get to see some of these cutscenes, some of these, some of the, the, these, uh, wild takes or, or off the cuff takes because I love seeing that type of stuff. Like 
one of the best things I love about having interviewed you now for a second time is that I'm getting to see the backside of this. Like as a person who loves film, I'm seeing the end product. I'm not seeing, you know, the, you know, I'm not seeing when the shark won't work on jaws. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not seeing when, when um, the actor tells you the original poo that you made irritated his skin. So you had to make hypoallergenic, you know, poo in this porta potty, you know, they're like, so do you think you'll be able to do those type of things or maybe get a small release? I know that also is a part of a budget and distribution and so forth like that. Yes. So the short answer is yes, there's definitely going to be DVD. We're also going to do a DVD set of the two. So if people wanted to get, you know, we want to make, cause the K- KP DVDs are, are the first one. They're, they're kind of hard to come by and the ones that are out there now don't have the full, the full stuff. So um, to give you an idea, uh, the first cut of Bride of Killer Pinata was like two hours and 10 minutes. <laughs> so that this movie is now locked at a, at an hour 40. That's how much we took out. And it's not that we lost big scenes. I, I think everybody hears that and they go, oh man, they lost whole character stuff. No, it, it was more about like comedy time. I mean, we did lose some scenes. We did lose some sections, but for the most part, that's just like, you know, line poles or something along those lines. Just um, turn the fat. Yeah. Not, not fat. every movie needs a Snyder cut. Right. Exactly. And, it, and I think we need to get back into trying to get, down to like hour and a half films. I think part of the issue, and listen, man, if you're a filmmaker and you think your movie needs to be two and a half hours, let's roll. But I also think that we've gotten into this idea that movies need to be, I'm an old movie fan. My favorite thing is HBO Max, their TCM channel. I watched Mm. tons of movies from the thirties and the forties. You look at some of the early like universal stuff, man, those movies are a TV show. Some of those Frankens, they're an hour five. (laughs) (laughs) And and so you look at it and you go, are are we just bloated as storytellers now? Is there a reason? I mean, I don't know. So yeah, you can, you can get that stuff down, but you want to show people you, we had to lose some really good stuff because we were just trying to get it for timing, right? You got to edit to the full film, not the moments. And so I really want to have people see what these actors did because a lot of it's laugh out loud, funny. It just didn't have a place in the, in the final. So we'll, we'll definitely get that material out. (laughs) Oh, that, that's really exciting. I had a, I had a question about distribution because mm. I know that, you know, with the old, old film distribution was a whole different model. It was a whole different landscape. And we were talking about with streaming and everything. And I think for most people that watched Killer Pinata during the pandemic, I know we rented it on Amazon. Um, yeah. and that's, that's how you're able to get stuff now. Um, do, do you have your distribution path already set or is that another thing that's still being worked on TBD? Yeah, so we we have two different ideas. We, we're we're not in a place yet. We will in about three weeks. So we've got about three weeks left to get out. You know, we're doing all of our final effects. We're recording the score now. We're doing all that. And I've just learned that it's it, with experience that you just don't go to distributors until that thing's done. Like you right. can say, oh, yeah. we have an assembly. You can hope that the people, but the, you know, it just never works. So we're going to go to a couple. What we found, though, two things, and this is this is what Killer Pinata, Killer Pinata, the first one was the best R&D we ever invested. For the two grand, we learned so much about mm-hmm. distribution and filmmaking and whatever. Um, and what we learned is that puppet movies, whether it's Killer Pinata or Chucky or Puppet Master or whatever it is, that genre tends to be considered like a fourth tier genre for distributors. Like they just don't really want to touch them. They, and I don't know why, because I love obviously killer puppet movies. <laughs> uh, so it, it's weird because, you know, a lot of distributors won't touch it because of that. They'll say horror fans just don't want that unless you have nudity or a lot of gore. We don't have nudity. We have a lot of gore, but 
Uh, so we have a two tier plan to be like, look, we'll go to distributors and see if they'll roll the dice on a puppet movie. That's 17 grand. Probably not. It takes a lot to, to market these things. Um, and if not, then we'll go. And what we've learned is that you have to kind of do it yourself. There's a lot of mid tier distributors. We had bad luck. Our first distributor, um, that took on killer pinata, their owner died mysteriously, uh, folded overnight and took all the revenue. We would have been so set with just the revenue we made on the initial release. That money went into the air. We never ah. saw. It. Oh, wow. So what we've learned is that like people find movies on Amazon and on Tubi to be like the king of all that especially for this this um demographic you know that the horror fans and the b-movie fans they love to be to a win-win for everybody because it's free for the viewer and it pays the most to the content creator and good so no good to know that, all right that, everybody to be you can oh, you can use it and feel good about it <laughs> yeah dollars and cents that that is that is the play uh, so it's, it's, yeah. So, and then in terms of like, you know, production and stuff. So our thought is we will produce the DVD sets. We will sell the DVD sets because again, it's a slow March. You're not doing a big opening weekend. You know, a lot of people don't know that it took nightmare on Elm street. It took Halloween a year to become the phenomenons that they were. Mm-hmm. Terminator and, died in the, in the theaters. Hmm, yeah. Another good point. Right. And I'm not, I'm not obviously not suggesting that, it, you know, in a year, I'm just saying that it takes a year of constant conventions and getting the word out there. Cause like, you know, there's movies we see now. I just got to Elvis the other day and I love Boz Lerman. That movie's been, you know, I just, there's movies that have been out for three years. I just got to them a month ago. It just, people have lives. So we are, we are so much, we expect things so much faster now where if you don't make your money back opening weekend, or if your album doesn't chart at number one, or if your gallery doesn't, you know, break the doors down day one, you're nothing. Um, and you know, if you think that, a mega blockbuster, a stadium touring band like Aerosmith didn't make it big till their third album because someone was willing to give them a chance and sort of simmer and let them develop. Uh, so, you know, having, being able to take control of that for yourself, um, you know, that, that, that's commendable. I like that. And, um, I was, I was, I, I, just looking up on another screen while you were, before you were talking about runtime of movies, and while we were on our horrible movie marathon that your movie, uh, you know, when Killer Pinata, uh, you know, entered our lives, a bunch of other movies, uh, we watched, uh, one of them, we watched the original Matt, Max Shrek Nosferatu. Oh. Because we'd never seen it. And, you know, I love vintage movies. So I tried to find, I don't remember how long that movie is. Was it a long one? Was it a short one? And it has a runtime, according to Wikipedia, of between 63 and 94 minutes, depending on how fast you run the tape. <laughs> yeah yeah and and again like you don't you know it's such a weird place where we're at right now where people will say oh that <laughs> that movie's two hours i'm not going to do that and then they binge six hours or whatever show it is right it's really not an issue it's, I, I think we've reached an inflection point of storytelling and i'm very curious about this somewhere out there right now there's a screenwriter who is probably in their late teens or early 20s and they're going to write a film, but they're going to get off the 30, 60, 90 thing that we've all been taught, right? They're going to do it by TV standards, which is about 40 minutes. Every 40 minutes on a TV episode, 40, 45 minutes, because they got to hook you into watching the next one, right? You got to right. keep that binge going. And there's some smart little screenwriter out there right now that's grown up looking at the story dissection of film and binging. 
And they're going to incorporate that into a film. They're going to be the next Quentin Tarantino because they figured out how to rewire. They figured out how to meet people and how they're, how they're absorbing story right now. Because um, the way we consume media is just changing. And like yeah. we were talking about how the pandemic changed the popularity of certain things and different viewing habits. It's also changing how we consume media. There are people that would never watch a movie opening night from their home. They want to go to the theater and 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 now those people are saying, oh, yeah, but I really don't want to sit next to a stranger, you know, and, and we're <laughs> or, saving the movie theater for certain experiences. Yeah. Or I don't want to wrangle my four kids to go see the new Pixar film when I can just have them on the couch. A wild Jen has appeared. Welcome, Jen. Hi. That's as I get right now. <laughs> Yes, Jen, Jen has just come off the dusty trail from from aiding the elderly. The, there was no dusty. It was definitely hurricane weather. No, oh, no. It is, it is raining, isn't it? Yeah. It's bad, yeah. Oh. Spooky season so, time. It is. Any and questions? This, and this is why I live in the north, where it's full of rocks and snow and not much else. <laughs> um, I don't think you directly. Okay, so I totally have a question. I know I'm a little late to the game. Um, and I was actually just asking Jason if this was asked. What was the inspiration behind Killer Pinata? I want to know if there was drugs involved. <laughs> in, I know, I know. I'm totally being blunt about this. There's a lot of creators that will totally tell you, yeah, yeah, you know, drugs were involved. <laughs> I want to know if there was drugs involved or if it was just just came out of somebody's brain. So it was a one-two punch. Uh, in 2013, I was at the Austin Film Festival. And I got into a conversation with Lee Wanell. Uh, we're not friends. I don't know Lee, but we happen to be in the same place. And we're talking about it. We came up kind of in the same film school kind of thing. And we were talking about how kids today have it so great because they have DSLR cameras and laptops that they can edit their movies. And could you do a movie? And this is literally a conversation. About, could you do a feature film for like two to 4,000 bucks? You know, we all know Robert Rodriguez did it for El Mariachi, but that seems to be the outlier, right? Like that, that was just a miracle film that came together. Could you do it? So fast forward about a month. And the, uh, my partners and I, when we work together, we have bad B movies in the background. It saves you from having debates about what music you're playing or whatever. And one of those bad B movies, you can work, look when you want, whatever. And one of them said one day, has there ever been a movie about a pinata that gets revenge on humanity? And our thing was like, well, yeah, that's such an obvious thing. Sure. <laughs> so we got on and we looked at it and no, there was one movie called Pinata Island, I think. But it was like a golem. It was. It wasn't even a pinata. It was a. It was like a little creature chasing him across an island. And we thought, shit, this is gold. This is how we make. Our <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought about that conversation and thought, you know, if we're gonna try to do, let's do an experiment. Let's try to do a movie for two to three thousand dollars. And this movie, this idea is so dumb that we can actually give us the flexibility to try this experiment. Cause what's going to happen? The worst case scenario is we made an unwatchable movie that we show our friends every like 10 years when, you know, they allow us to bring it out. And that was the Genesis. And we thought, Holy cow, let's do a movie about a re- like a vengeful pinata. Uh, and yeah, so no drugs, no alcohol, obviously, but you know, just sheer curiosity. I'm so sure that, that I'm awesome. sure I, that that's great. And it sounds a lot like some of the greatest ideas I've ever had, except for the fact that I'm usually atomically wasted <laughs> when I come up with the idea. And then the best part is I forget about it. Yeah, <laughs> and then it never happens. The alcohol makes you forget. Right, because then yep. it's usually Jason and I going, yeah, you know what we should do? We should start a band. 
Absolutely. We don't play instruments. It doesn't matter. I could play this tambourine kind of cool. No. Um, you were talking about run times a, a few minutes ago and uh, how, you know, there's a kid out there writing things and, you know, that, that 44 minute, that 22 minute break. Um, and I remember that in my, in my relatively short life of watching uh, TV, that's all, that already happened. So it can happen again. And I agree with you because there were the creators of a bunch of shows, a bunch of late night TV shows that figured, no, no, everybody, ha- everybody who's watching TV at 2 a.m. has ADD because they can't sleep. So 12 minute run times. I want to talk to the people that work with you about your special effects because very tight place. Special effects was the, the hypoallergenic poo, the, the, the sex scene with the puke and the weird candies and the so forth. Like, that's I because I was saying that I wanted to talk to people that are from Angry Mule or who have worked with Angry Mule and do some of this great stuff, especially your quarterback um, on set that you've mentioned multiple times. So, yeah, Alex. Yeah. yeah. You know, Alex is really fun because so let's go back to talking about that, that, you know, piece we're doing in Bride. And we literally were like, OK, um, how do we design this to be? Because, again, you're working with a budget, right? So, like. You know, if you try to do a fake head, that's thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> so like, you start to learn very quickly um, what you can and cannot do, and so then it became like, okay, in our budget, what's the best looking effect? And we had to get really creative. We were literally trading emails, text messages, saying, okay, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? And then we finally, we finally landed on something. Where we're like, that's going to look good, and it's going to look like killer pinata. But I am so excited to be so we're so we're we're premiering the movie at the Davis Theater in Chicago on October 14th. And I'm very excited to hear that crowd when they see that effect, because I think it's going to be in a very tight place kind of situation where it's like, no way. (laughs) And this is why I say practical effects are always going to be superior. Um, So. All right. I recently heard a story about how the adventures of Robin Hood, they wanted to make getting shot with an arrow look believable. This is an Errol Flynn movie. Yeah. So the stunt players were paid $150 per arrow that was shot into them and they had padding on. So they were actually shooting arrows into their actors. What is the most like, you know, we, we pushed the limits. We pushed the boundaries that you've experienced in any of your movies so far? Oof, that's a great question. Well, we tend to be a very safe set by design because the production insurance, you know, it's a killer. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, oh man, what, the most nervous I was, was on this one. There's an effect we have involving shears in a stomach. And we had all the, you know, we had all the padding. We had everything, but it's, you know, when you're in Ish. Yeah, you know, you're, you're, you know, you think you've done all your homework and you're, you're trying to do it. But I, I remember that day just being like, oh, please, God. You know, I know I, what I love is that maybe the actress that was involved in the scene would listen to this interview and be like, what? <laughs> you know, but, you told me it was you fine. told me it was fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. You know, but there was, yeah. You know, it's just stuff like that. Uh, and so this is my other favorite story about Eliza. So two things. Eliza is is all in on every scene. Any scene she does, anything. The other thing is that she's accident prone. So... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> my two favorite things from Brad, literally one of them was just running. There's a scene where she sees the pinata and she chases the pinata, right? It's just her coverage. Pinata's on the shot. All she had to do is run up to her mark, look, run off. And most actors, you know, they just kind of like do a couple of steps off the camera. You know, we're good. <laughs> it had rained that day. So Eliza goes into a full sprint off camera into a dark gangway. And I just hear... I thought we were in real trouble. Her fall sounded so terrible. I was like, she's going to come out of the darkness with something buried in her face. It was, <laughs> I was, I even here on the dailies, I sound like a concerned father. I'm like, oh, why is that? You know, <laughs> like it's, it's bad. And there was another one where I was puppeteering KP and, and she's supposed to headbutt KP. He's supposed to headbutt her back. We had, we had practiced it and it worked fine. And on the shoot, I don't know what happened, but basically where my fist was in the pinata's head, I basically just punched her in the face. <laughs> and we have that on, on, on dailies too. And I just like, Oh my gosh, Eliza, like it's, it's the best days. But I was like, here's what I know. If there's anything involving shears, it will not be with Eliza. Cause it's going to go horribly wrong. She'll do it, but she'll be the one that gets hurt. Yeah. By the way, what he's not saying is that he kept that take. (laughs) I I said it to I said it to her uh, because it's one of our now it's one of now that we can laugh about it. It's one of our fondest memories. But I was like, when she fell on that one gangway thing, I was like, nope, we're going into an ambulance right now. We're just going to have to cancel the shoot while Eliza gets into rehab. Like I don't know what's going to happen. I felt terrible. (laughs) It's it's that moment of gut wrenching terror. It's like this is either the greatest day of my life or the worst day of my life. All on. What's going to happen in the next eight? Se- oh, it's fine. Okay. It's like oh, yeah, a yeah. child <laughs> and you have to hold your breath and like smile, hoping that they're okay and that real tears aren't coming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. So it, it's always that. And, and like, so because, you know, we have no money, we, we can't get like a stunt coordinator, right? Because that's who you want to be in there. You want a stunt coordinator to like work through all the stuff. We don't have that. So it's basically all of us just figuring this out, hoping no one gets broken bone while we do all this stuff. So it's, it's fun, is what I'm saying. Listen, I'm I was a paratrooper in the army. They trained me to fall for a living. If you need someone to fall, I got you, dog. Yeah, yeah. Jason, how are your knees? It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) I can make that first take look awesome. It's gonna be excellent. That's all you need is the one take. (laughs) Yeah, 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 just one take. So we've gotten island. We've gotten in very we've gotten very tight places. We've gotten killer pinata. And now we've got Bride of Killer Pinata on the horizon for this spooky season. Mm-hmm. What else is on the horizon in the future for Andrew Neil Productions? So I can talk about, well, I can't talk. So it's really exciting. We're doing something in the background that if we pull this off, it, it's going to be insane. It's something I've been working on for a hot minute. We're having discussions about it. It's actually not my IP. It's somebody else's IP, but it's something that's near and dear to me. So, uh, in the next, I'm going to call it six months, the next month I'm having a a conversation and the next six months, I'm hoping it's something that we can announce. So we're either going to do something with this IP and have it be really cool and fun. Or if we just can't sort this out because it's Hollywood and this kind of stuff happens, um, then probably my next thing would be to do, I had a, a script for, it's been going around for a long time. It's called Welshgate. Welshgate is my baby. It is a full-on no-horror comedy thing. It is straight-up horror, uh, and now's the time. So I think we're going to go raise – we're going to go net-net. We're going to raise a big budget, big to us, uh, and go make a big horror film 
And I don't know when that'll be. Uh, it's going to take us a couple of years to do it, but um, it'll be one of those two options. And then we're going to make, obviously, shorts in the meantime. We like making shorts. We like working together. So uh, it'll probably be a couple of shorts. We're going to have a killer pinata-related short this Christmas. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then put KP to bed for a while and do something completely different and really cool. I have... Um... A bit of a personal question because sure. I love talking about the creative process of being creatives. Now, Jason, Jen, Tech, and I, we are all people. We, we podcast because we love it. You know, we're, we're, we're not earning a paycheck. We're not, you know, whatever we put it, our, our heart and our souls into this. And it is very clear that making movies is a passion project for you. Hmm. Is there also a day job that you use to support this project? Like, yeah, this is a yeah. great question. So the I have a I own a company with the people that I make movies with. And we don't movies. So we have a healthcare recruiting company and that is what brings it in and uh it allows you to do things. And I think what what is interesting is that a lot of people assume that anyone in Hollywood who's doing stuff is is making their living from it. And in my experience that's just not true. Some people, yeah, maybe. Um but I think there are more folks than you know that do movies, but also have a side gig, right? Like I would encourage anybody who really wants to make movies. Um, oh, Todd Farmer. That's his name. Todd Farmer, screenwriter who did Jason X and did Drive Angry and a bunch of those. If Birth Movies Death still exists, he did an essay uh, a couple of years ago uh, about being a screenwriter. This is after he wrote Jason X and after he wrote Drive Angry. And it was so amazing in its honesty because things had dried up you know, this is what happens for screenwriters. You, you have a, you know, feast or famine. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how, you know, stuff got tough, you know, his lease, he finally got a buddy to get him a job in a Toyota call center. So he was doing Toyota call center customer service, and then going and meeting up with producer friends in the Hollywood Hills. Right. And what people don't understand is that like modern movies with all its glitz and all that kind of stuff, you're still the carnival. You're still the circus. You're still just people making, trying to like make what you can. Um, so very often the, the people that you know are probably uh, doing these side hustles or doing whatever they can. In our case, it was, I had an informative experience when I was doing post-production for sci-fi that made it important for me to have some business that had nothing to do with entertainment. Because I thought if I can create a business that makes money, it allows me one to have choices over my projects. I don't have to do a desperate project. I know that I can retire comfortably, but I can still make movies on my own terms. And that became very important for me. So, uh, and it's lovely that like the people that I make movies with are also the people that I'm in business with for this non-movie thing. It's, mm -hmm. it's like having a family business without actually being family, you know? And that's, that, that's great because you've diversified where it, it, I, I I'm able to pay my rent. And I'm still able to do my craft. I'm still able to do yeah. my creative process. Yeah. And go ahead. I honestly love that it is something completely different from yeah. movies. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and I think it's something that we, you know, it's funny because when you look at how movies began, that's how everyone came into it. You know, if you look at Howard Hughes' interests, you know, he, he made crazy movies, but he also was in obviously into aviation, stuff like that. Alfred Hitchcock was an architect and engineer before he became a filmmaker. These things, you know, we used to have all these things and say we can have diverse backgrounds and diverse things. And somewhere along the line, we just said, well, if you're an artist, you're, you're, you have to be an artist 100% of the time. And it's like, what? <laughs> and I, I, I think that's, that's a, a general idea that a lot of people have, but Definitely in like the podcasting world and the corner of podcasting that we come from, yeah. um, a lot of, um, like fiction podcast authors, you know, they all have day jobs, you know, they all have things that they have to do. Um, 
and, and movie makers and musicians and visual artists and everything else. And everybody in this YouTube culture, they think, Oh, I'm going to be able to quit my job and just do the creation. And it's like, no, we all still need that job. But what I love to say is, okay, so you have a healthcare company. You're an yep. entrepreneur. It's great. That is wonderful. But you're still, you are a movie. Like if somebody says, what do you do? You're a movie maker. Yeah, you are, I, are both of these things. Yeah. I think that you can be whatever you want to be. And, and going back to Robert Rodriguez for a second, if you're an aspiring filmmaker out there, read Robert's book, uh, Rebel Without a Crew. It is one of the most inspiring, freeing books because he does say that in there, that make a business card, put your name on it and say director. Now you're a director. Did you make a movie? Great. You're a director. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. No yeah. And so it's this idea that, and I don't, you know, I don't know, maybe it's wherever it came from. If you're not doing art hundred percent, then you're not really an artist. And, and that's insane. You know, that, was, that, I, I'm going to just, I'm sorry, because I get to curse on my own podcast. Yes. That's just bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I, I have an IMDB credit. Um, yeah. yeah. Cause I got to do tech consulting for a friend of mine who did this fantastic short, a uh, couple of short movies. And I was a consultant that taught his actors how to hold guns on film to make it look a little bit more believable. Because there's nothing that breaks my heart more than watching an actor hold a gun with a broken wrist. It's like, no, 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 no. We're gonna, we're gonna make this look good. We're gonna make your old guys hold guns like old guys. We'll make your young guys hold guns like young guys. We're going to make it great. And I have an IMDb credit and I can now say, no bones. I am a technical consultant on a film. You're exactly right in what you're saying. You know, you are who you want to be and you just, you know, you throw that shingle out there and that's it. And I, I wanted to ask this before. Um, you were talking about how, you know, you have this wonderful creative process with a small team where you guys can sit down at a table and you can hash out ideas. And, uh, you know, your director of photography came out with these, these, or your sound guy came out with photography ideas that, Hey, you know, what if we block the scene this way? It's like, Hey, he's got a great idea. Let's go ahead and do it. You don't get that. I, I work in, pro in project management and you get that great with a small team. You can't get that in a big team. You can't because you have so many heads. So if it was Marvel presents Bride of Pinata, and I gave you an unlimited seven-figure budget and said, just go do something stupid. Just go do whatever you want. You've got the budget. You have the entire world. You have 25,000 people that are going to make this movie. Do you still want to do it? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I don't know that it would necessarily... So I, I think that, Pay me my money. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I think that... Uh, I think that... Well, one, I'd be... Okay, so let's step back for a second. It was like a Marvel movie. I'm, I would be the worst person to ever... <laughs> <laughs> do a Marvel film. I, I just don't think it that way. I think Marvel films. It's Wolverine in a porta potty for seven hours. <laughs> we made a trilogy. I'd fucking make a great Wolverine in a porta potty. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, I, th I think that like you need strong, really strong. That's why I love Zack Snyder. Uh, you know, I don't like, I don't love all of his films, but I'll always watch them because I think Zack Snyder is one of our, he's just such a visualist. Like his stuff is so good. Like I can watch, I'll watch, I'll have Batman versus Superman on and silent. I love watching his frames. His framing is phenomenal. Now that's it's separate from story, right? That's it's separate from uh, this stuff, but I think as a visualist. Um, and in terms of your question of, 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 okay, if you get a bigger crew and stuff like that. So I think as a director, your job is to, is to harmonize You're a conductor, right? You've got all these different sections of the orchestra and you got to make sure they're all playing together. And, and, but that doesn't mean that you can't, 
solicit ideas. And I think that you, you get creative partners that bring that. And then you just have to be judicious about like, well, can we do it right? Same with actors. If actors want to go too big or too, that was one thing on the first film. We had an actor who, and I think it does stick out a little bit that was doing something that I, I didn't think would probably work. Um, but we just couldn't get them off of that idea. And, and it, and I think you can tell in the final product, you know? And so I, I try my best to say, to be encouraging about it, but also have a, a line to be like, okay, you know, we, we've got to make this a, co- a cohesive thing. So it's all in that funnel. And I think that you're just doing it at a different level. So going back to what we're talking about for next projects, if we get this IP, that will be a, a different ball game. And you have to have that to be like, I want to encourage everybody to put ideas in and feel some creative ownership. But at the end of the day, we have to make sure that whatever we come out with doesn't feel just completely tonally disjointed right so it's it's a fine line okay yeah i was was being nice um so you spoke that you did um post-production for sci-fi yeah um when it came to yourself and assimilating your crew and and forming angry mule was there a certain background you looked at looked for or were you trying to get the most eclectic and like diverse crew you could? Because it's from what you've said and what we've talked about, you just have a plethora of ideas and personalities and people that help make angry mule, a mosaic that gives you a wonderful quilt style pattern for your films. Was there, was there, yeah. That's the most beautiful thing that's ever been said about Angry Mule. (laughs) (laughs) That was the most poetic, beautiful thing. Uh, No, so here's the, you know, we didn't set out. Angry Mule was completely by accident. We had started our company. We'd started our healthcare company. And we realized that we all had an interest in filmmaking. And, And it came together very organically. Jen, Paul, Ryan, myself. And uh, we realized that we all had different talents. Paul is a visualist. Paul is so interested in how something looks with the camera that we use more so than me. And sometimes it feels like Paul and I are kind of co-directing at points because Paul is so into that. And I'm really more into like story and acting and, and editing and how we're doing this. What we have in common is we have this ambition to make, to take big swings and make things that, that people think that we're incapable of making, you know, and, and we don't always get it right. Like all films, but I think what we have in ours is this like idea of like, we want to just try to do our best. We want to try to make amazing things. And we all have areas that luckily we're very into that the others are not like Jen is very into like logistics and paperwork. And that's why she's a great producer because she can shepherd this stuff. She's a wonderful, like I send all my scripts to Jen because she can like look through them and be like, yo, <laughs> you know, <laughs> she doesn't want to be a creative writer, but she's great at catching all this stuff. So we have the, this skill set that's very complimentary. That it, and it all was by accident. It, we didn't set out to make angry mules. We didn't sit down one day and say, you know what? We need to be a production company. We just said, hey, should we make a dumb movie about a pinata and everything else fall in place? I'll just add in that everybody needs a Jen. Um, <laughs> she keeps things going. <laughs> and she's over there like, yes, I know, I know. It's the only reason she's still alive. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Let me tell you, it makes things easier for sure. And not even just about, like, we'll, Paul and Jen and I will take vacations and Jen will give us our itinerary, very Leslie Nope level itinerary. It's wonderful. <laughs> yep. Yep. Jen's over there going, mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that's my role over here. Uh-huh. Um, so, we don't know when it's going to be exactly released. That's still TBD. We know to keep an eye on Angry Mule P- Productions. Is there anything that us B-movie fans can do when it is released? Like what, what, what 
would you like us to do to help promote this and, and get more people watching it? Like, is there any, any call to action you want to tell the mixed nutcases to get the, them helping support you? So some things are like, great question. Thank you. Uh, so one thing that people have done that we couldn't ask more of is that they just get, they just recommend it. KP okay. is where we were able to do a sequel because people tell their friends about it. They post about it. They, you know, that is the number one thing. People trust other folks, right? When Jason says you should watch this, this movie, you guys did, <laughs> you know? Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it took some time. It took some time it took some time but you did and 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 that's very helpful especially for those of us who are making these micro budget films we don't have the ad budget to compete second that i have learned through this process is that if you like a movie rated on imdb rated on letterbox talk about it on these forums that that help because people do read that stuff and what's hilarious to me is that uh killer pinata i think on imdb has like four stars out of ten that is like three stars more than we ever thought we would get for this film <laughs> and, and- and speaking of that, I did some research today. I went on Rotten Tomatoes, and there are no reviews whatsoever of any kind. You have no score. Oh, we got we got to do something about that no, then. We, yeah, we need to change that. Yeah, so it's that kind of thing where it's like if you and I, and I think for any movie you love, it's like uh, we we like to shit post on movies and we like to t- find that movie that we think needs to get hated on. And I really I'm doing my best to change that mindset to be like, look, man. Movies are personal. My some of my favorite movies are terrible movies by by objective standards, but I love them. And I think you need to we as a culture need to stop shit posting on films and take that same energy and be like, nah, get behind the movie you love and broadcast it. The movie didn't work for you, let it go. <laughs> you know? see, yeah, yeah. See, guys, see, look, Stephen understands me. He likes <laughs> my taste in movies. Everything he- doesn't have to be a souffle. Sometimes tacos are exactly what you want, and you're probably going to eat tacos more than a souffle. So, yeah, exactly. you know, we all love we all love great ramen, but sometimes top ramen is all you need. This coming from a person that makes fun of me for certain movies that I enjoy or certain <laughs> shows that I enjoy. Including Little Nicky. That's because I'm stupid as hell, but I love that movie. I'm literally, I'm the. (laughs) No, I I think that's the thing, right? It's like uh, the movies I watch late now. I Steven Spielberg's one of my favorite filmmakers. I I watch him obsessively to to see what he does. He's a visualist of of the next degree. But when it's late at night, I'm watching I Mad Men. (laughs) Yeah, I'm watching Critters Three. I love, you know. great movies to watch there was a there was a dumb movie that came out in the early 90s that was rather formative in little techie's life called robot jocks <laughs> which was yes. the last movie that harry Hausen did all the stop motion for with the big fighting robots and i made all of these losers watch it for my birthday one year and they all hated it but i no, we loved, loved it. that movie wait a minute isn't that a Stuart gordon film robot um, jocks Oh so. man, hold on. Let's get into the IMDb. Stuart Gore, I think, because it's definitely a full moon film. That's for sure. It's a it's a Charlie yeah, Band. Stuart uh, Stuart, yeah, Stuart Gordon. Yes, absolutely. It was Stuart Gordon. Yeah. See, yes. see oh. man, you knew. Right there, you can see the talent in that film. And I love that movie so much. Oh, I like God. the little origami on the switches, <laughs> the giant robot. I love that movie. Oh my god, <laughs> so dumb. Steven, do you know what you have just done? Do you know what you have just done? We're never going to hear the end of it. Now. It's going to become a birthday bash every year watching that movie. Watch just robots. Yeah. I will say this, though, to you guys and your audience. Have you guys watched Dolls? Stuart Gordon's Dolls? Yes. No. I've seen Dolls. 
dude, dolls is I, so we're doing these kind of awareness events in Chicago right now for, for killer Friday, killer pinata. We're doing these double features. So we showed, uh, one was at Reed's local, this, this great bar here. It was, it was dolls and little shop of horrors with the original, you know, Ooh. savage ending. It was wonderful. Nice. Half that audience had not seen dolls. I think dolls is a masterpiece. I think it's Stuart Gordon's masterpiece. If you haven't watched that movie, it's lovely. It's, and it's got great stop motion animation. It's next level, amazing stop motion animation. Okay, I am cool. adding it to the birthday list. All right. Good, <laughs> so I have actually seen that movie and dolls creep me out as it is. And that was a movie that legit had me going, nope. Mm-mm. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, yeah. I give it a shot. I, I had more people come up to me after that screening saying that dolls had now been on their must most must recommend list. After I was like, "Yep, yeah, no, we just again see see it's word of mouth. It's people yeah. advocating, and you can do it. Be the change you want in the world." Exactly. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Stephen, for coming on. We really appreciate it. As soon as we watched the movie, and Jason said, "Oh yeah, he's working on another one," we were like, "Oh my gosh, we we are all in. We are so excited." And I think that's when I started following on Instagram because I've been just so excited. Uh, so thank you so much for for talking with us. We really appreciate it. And you know, if you got more things to promote, we. Always love to have you back. No, this was one. Re- this is a great way to kick off uh, Bride's little marketing tour. And um, what we'll do is once we get once we finish the film, sometime hopefully, <laughs> uh, I'll get you guys a link so you can check it out. Oh, uh, that would be fantastic! That'd be great. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I know we have a little clip that Jason has been hoarding away, and we're going to be watching that later. So thank you so much for that as well. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you about five minutes of just kind of what we got cooked up. So. Yeah, and, and and I I, I want to thank you, um, not only for today, but for the first time, because again, I'm a nobody. I'm not making movies. I'm I'm just a guy who yells into a microphone. Um, and I want to thank you for coming on. You are the literally only director I've had on the podcast that I've talked to, and I I, I appreciate every time you've done it. It's been enlightening and, and, and an exceptional experience for me because I love films and giving me the chance to do this and enjoy it because I love movies. Like I tell people all the time when I do my podcast that I don't do it for money. I don't do it for fame. I do it for these moments where I get to hang out and talk and shoot the shit and talk about the fact that Stephen King probably at somewhere on his wall has a dollar bill from Stephen Tramontana because he made a movie (laughs) about a porta potty. Like it's those moments. And I love it. And I've never been to Chicago, but I swear to you, if I have the ability, I will come to the red carpet launch of <laughs> Bride of Philadelphia. I will go to the Windy City. No, like, like we described, Jason, it's going to be the two of us in a pantomime pinata two person costume doing a Bollywood dance number as the closer to uh, pinata three. Yeah. No, <laughs> you need somebody to film this. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, thank you so much. And, no, and, and, and honestly, though, if anyone on your team from from the highest to the lowest wants to come and talk about making movies and Angry Real Productions, we would absolutely do it. And especially when it comes to special effects, because, you know, you talked about it yourself, that a lot of these big budget movies miss the mark because they have so much money. They can use computers and so forth. But things like. People Night- still love practical effects. Yes. Mm-hmm. Night of the Demons, mm-hmm. The Thing. Yeah. You know, those type of movies resonate with fans because there's something different. A podcast, let's say, we hate movies. They talk about time. When light hits something, 
and it actually casts a shadow. It's different from CGI. Yeah. And, and you making excellent films, enjoyable films with real people, real things with no CGI or not a, a massive amount of CGI is excellent. And it's an ode to an era of film that for the most part has gone by. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Like heartfelt appreciate that. That was really, really nice to hear. Thank you. <laughs> and on that note, this has been the Talk Nerds Movie Podcast, Nerds on Cinema. And we have been your hosts. Jen, for all of five minutes. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> along with Nutty, Tech, and the awesome, wonderful to talk to, Stephen Tramantana. Yeah, so Nutty, send us out. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know this is this is uh, the the not safe for work nutty bites episode because basically that's all where you can find Jason stuff these days. So thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Nimlast.org. Listen to the outro. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Stephen. And thanks, everybody, guys. think twice the next time you're at a birthday party. <laughs> Do you really want to hit that pinata? Do you want that pinata to hit you? Mm, that's a better question. <laughs> better question. All right. Good night, everyone. Bye. Nutty Bites is produced by Nimlas Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 International License. That means you can't change it without my permission. You can share it and send it to your friends. Just link back to me, my site, and everything. We live at nimlas.org, which has links to everything social media, including facebook.com slash group slash Nutty Bites and patreon.com slash nukejoss or call 347-NUTTY42. What is this? A post-credit scene? How did this get in here? So Tech, Jason, Jen, and I did watch those five minutes that Steven gave us, and they're pretty epic. Unfortunately, we can't share them with you, so I just wanted to give you our quick little reactions of, oh my gosh, if the rest of the movie is like this, my stomach is going to get a workout from laughing so hard. It is epic, it looks great, and it's everything we're excited about. So... Stay tuned. We will be putting links whenever this come, this movie is screening and comes out. And we'll let you all know. This is pretty great. By the way, stay tuned. We've got some stupid bloopers at the end. credit scene with the bloopers or dvd extras i don't know i have no control over my podcast anymore hopefully he'll come back i pissed him off with that question <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> By the way, uh, Muppets remake of Con Air. Yes, I'm totally Yes, in. the Muppet. We need to do a Muppet remake of Con Air. Mind you, this is being recorded. There is no way you can forget it tomorrow. By the way. <laughs> Jason? Oh, your, your so, tagline? Oh, yes. So, uh, yeah, this has been. No, 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 no. And. Oh, oh, oh my bad. <laughs> he it's, has a podcast for so long, he doesn't know his tagline. Right? You know what? Fighting up. You know what? I'm a second degree black belt. I can take a cardboard little horsey. Are you sure? No, no not no, not if it, no, not if it rapes can't. me. <laughs> yep, it, those are awesome. Oh my god. I that love that. Epic. Yeah. So there awesome. we have these little stands we made for them so that they could just kind of be on on set and comfortable. That's <laughs> fantastic. So Tech, do you want to do you want to yeah. tell Steven your story? I'll be, I'll be right back. Okay. We bought one of the piñatas and he'd been working on it and we got covid. And, <laughs> and, and he ran now, out of glue. And we ran out of glue. <laughs> but the original goal was to surprise you with no. Our own puppet that didn't come together. Oh my gosh! Yeah, let me let me spotlight him so you can see. Holy because... shit! Wow! Yes. So I I had I had started working on this and it was going to be like a big reveal during the interview, but the army posted me to a town like uh, to a big city that I can't afford to live in, so we had to move into the sticks, and I ran out of hot glue. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm not gonna, and I couldn't drive the 45 minutes it was gonna take to go get more, but I had been, I have the whole rest of the body, I had started to glue in the fabric to make the articulation, uh, but yeah, this was gonna be a, a whole thing, and sad. No, no. Exactly. I mean, listen, you managed to build a more technically competent puppet than we have. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is that jaw movement? <laughs> I think I think that was, you that that was my, that was my hunting knife and thirty seconds. That's what the, that's what the articulation was. That's amazing. Uh, uh, and I think you'll enjoy this story when when we saw it in the in the in the party store. We were getting a pinata because one of our. We, we teach martial arts and, um, during the pandemic, we had one student that would come to our backyard because we couldn't open the dojo. Right. Um, but the, the, so we could have one student in the backyard and her birthday last year. Um, we got a pinata and she got to hit the pinata, but with a katana. What? That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. uh wait a a yeah. Real yeah, yeah, I have I have real swords downstairs. We cut real things with them because you can practice with a wooden thing all day, but actually cutting real things with a real sword is a is a is a completely different experience that changes your respect for the for the blade. So when she turned fifteen, I gave her my sword. I gave her a pinata full of candy. She hacked the thing apart. It was the most hilarious time ever. And then afterwards, I'm going into my backyard and I'm finding lollipops with these like perfect like <laughs> cleave marks, sour balls, yeah, so, like 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 uh yeah yeah sour candies like cut cleanly in half. I was like, wow, that that sort actually did a pretty good job. I'm so proud of her slice. <laughs> so so what you're saying is the killer pinata has to go to space. It has yep. to go to feudal Japan. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> Samurai pinatas. Right, 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 right. Oh, and, yeah. and then the the pinatas unite. Mexico, the the hencho in Mexico. No, yeah, well, that's, well, a, that's the <laughs> Well, that was that was pinata four. Pinata goes to Mexico, and then yeah. it has to be like a whole machete thing. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, 
Well, what we were, so Jen and I were literally just talking about this like four hours ago. So we, what we've realized is that people always call the first one revenge of the killer. For some reason, it's always revenge of the killer pinata. And one of our own actors was at a film festival like this past weekend. And they asked her, they're like, yeah, so, you know, what are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm in this, this new movie. It's a sequel. It's called revenge of the bride of the killer pinata. (laughs) (laughs) Jen, why don't we do, if we do a third one, let's just call it revenge of the killer. Let's just get this done. Let's just make the, the world right. And we're just going to get revenge in there somehow. Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. but 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 then it has to be a prequel. Oh my god! Yeah, technically it would. <laughs> and, now, and we get more, of, and we learn how the abuela has a hook hand. <laughs> I do need more abuela in my life. Oh my god! <laughs> Doesn't everybody? I know she's shopkeeper, but we dubbed her abuela. By the way, yeah. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> the most fucking generic name possible. Like, oh, that's her job. That's what her name is. <laughs> <laughs> 